Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are in the world. Welcome to the Influential You podcast. I'm Josh D'Amigo, lead faculty for Influential You and your co-host for this weekly podcast. John Patterson is with me again after an eventful week of jury duty. At Influential You, we teach you how to take charge of your career and amplify your professional influence. Since 2009, we have helped thousands of business owners, executives, and entrepreneurs become more influential, more rewarded, and more you. Today, we welcome Dallas Jackson to the Influential You podcast. Dallas Jackson is the managing director at Humaneering, where she improves business performances by fostering agility across all domains. She helps companies transform the way work is done by encouraging the right mindset and cultural change to align people, processes, and technology in a way that maximizes organizational health and performance. Dallas draws from her experience as a scrum master and agile team coach and trainer and holds her certification in neuroleadership and transactional competence as she's completed the fundamentals of transaction, mechanics and practice, transactional competence across teams, and is currently in the Thrive program. She's also a mentor currently in the fundamentals of transaction program. We're so excited to have her on today and please welcome Dallas Jackson to the Influential You podcast. Hi, Dallas. Welcome. Friends, how are y'all? Oh, if we were Good. any better, we'd get to be you. Isn't that the way we're supposed to say it? <laughs> tell me a little bit in your own words. What do you do? What, do, tell, what, what? How do we relate to you? Oh, it's, you know, what's really interesting is it's taken me about 15 years to, to figure out how to articulate it. And, you know, working with through Fundamentals of Transaction and through MAP has really helped. I help organizations make work fit people instead of trying to make people fit work. So instead of going against 20,000 years of evolution, cognitive biases, people, right? Like, what do y'all say? We can't escape our biology. It's, right. it's across the board. So why are we trying to develop processes, um, develop things that go against our human nature, go against evolution? Right. Like, I don't care how good you are. You're not going to undo 20,000, 20,000 years of evolution. <laughs> that is so good. I have a question for you. Why does that matter? I love to find out a little bit more about people. Why does that matter to you? Um, it, it matters to me because I'm a mom mm. and I was a single mom for a long time um, until until I married my husband recently. And I found working up the ladder, that wasn't honored. The fact that I was a mother wasn't honored. The fact that I'm really empathetic wasn't honored. And yet I know that what I took from being a mother, what I took from being empathetic, what I took from being a person that got shit done actually helped me. So how can we in organizations, in families, in partnerships, whatever, how can we make that the goal? Instead of having this thing out there of if we only plan harder, if we only make more process, if we only make more steps to the process, how can we take a step back and say, okay, what can this person bring for me that gets us there? And Beautiful. I think when we honor that, Beautiful. It, it's where we, where we get loyalty from, quite honestly. It's so good and it's so valuable, it, even to set up your story, that you relate to the producer personality, that's correct? Yes. 
And I find that many times, and we've had a few people on this call, that producers tend to just keep doing work and then people kind of take them for granted. They don't really think of them when it's time to push them up or move them up the ladder. Mm -hmm. Is that your experience? Um, actually, not, not necessarily. My okay. experience is when the rubber met the road, I could do things. Mm -hmm. So it was that hero complex, right? Like I worked mm -hmm. the weekends testing. I was able to code something that no one else did. I was able to do something that no one else did. But being able to look back, that's the worst reason to promote people. We don't need heroics. We don't need that. We don't need people to just do things, which I realize as a producer, I feel a bit blasphemous saying that, but it's okay. <laughs> I'll work it out. Um, but where, where are the people making assessments saying, hey, guys, this actually isn't possible? Where were the people doing the relationshiping, marshalling people behind this idea so it didn't just have to be me doing things? And where were the people giving the ideas of, hey, this seems okay, but we've done this and maybe we need to tweak what we're doing. And it's mm. really when all of those come together. It's it's the good stuff, right? Like that that's that's why I drank the Kool-Aid of influential you, right? Like that's what it takes with us. That's right. Well, I can hear the in your description of all of that, I can hear each of the transactional personalities as mm -hmm. we teach them. I'm I'm wondering how did the discovery of that and learning and practicing that, especially in our TCX program, transactional mm -hmm. competence across teams. How did learning all of that impact your relationship to both yourself as a producer personalities and that value there, but also the other personalities and their value in the transaction? Yeah. I thought that um, in fundamentals of transaction, I had this narrative that the producers were the doers, right? It's a lot of ego coming through there, I know, but you know, we actually did the things. Y'all, y'all are cute. I appreciate y'all. You know, <laughs> welcome to the party. That's but right. <laughs> like, I got the shit done. Yeah. However, um, going, you know, that was my naivete. Like, doing is only the the manual labor, the the work in action. But looking, you know, being able to remove myself kind of from that ego and from that naivete, ideas, like doing ideas, horrible. Like, I'm not sure there's something I would hate more than you saying, hey, Dallas, brainstorm for 60 minutes, all the possibilities of this. Like, I probably would drink and not do it. <laughs> but I have to have those. Right. I have to have ideas in order to do something. Mm, because right. what, what I want to do is I want to add value. Yeah. And I think that's a, a producer's dilemma. Do I just do stuff or am I making sure that I'm doing the right stuff to add the value? Mm. And if I want to do that ladder, I have to have my inventors. I have to have my performers. I have to have my judges. Mm. Mm. That's really good, Dallas. And forgive my uh, in inventor for going to the future. Let's go back to how you even found out about us. Dallas, tell me really quickly, you, you talked about it as being sort of survival. So can you talk a little yeah. bit about what it was like before and maybe leading up to uh, kind of participating with us? Yeah, it's, it's I, I felt like I was only as good as what I was doing currently. I didn't necessarily have a history and I didn't have a future. I was only like now and what I could commit to 
immediately. That was my value. And so evidence is like, yeah, that was, that's cool that I did that thing, right? That's cool that I led the technology merger of Whole Foods and Amazon. That's cool. But that was last year. You know, it's cool that I've coached for NASA. That's cool. But that was last year. The thing about it was I was always had to grasp on proving myself that I could still do. And it's really exhausting. Like it's incredibly exhausting for a few reasons. One, honoring what you've done is incredibly important because that's who you are, right? Like you are your biography, your biology, um, and your background. And so background is a, is a big part of it. But also um, what I realized the most is that I felt like I was a team of one and that I was only successful if I could do it by myself. I was only successful if like I could prove I was that heroic person that could do more, be more, um, that I could do it by myself. And what I found going through fundamentals of transaction and working, you know, with some incredible people in the psychology is, man, I was limiting myself. Like I can only do so much, but if I get into a transaction, if I get into an ecology where everyone is clear on the aims, it's magic. And you can do a thousand times more but with just a small, you know, a small number of resources. Mm. And so working, go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, no, no we're, that's all right. We're interviewing you. You go ahead. We'll, we'll stop for you. Um, so, <laughs> excellent. I wish the world, can y'all like post that out just on the internet? Like just yes, ma'am. It <laughs> Consider yeah. it done. <laughs> um, but that, that team dynamic and viewing, you know, I am, I know this might shock you guys, but I like to control things. Like I like to be the leader. I, I know, shocking. Um, I like to tell people what to do, when to do it, how to do it, and then how to feel yeah. about it. <laughs> like that is, that is what I wanted to do. Yeah. And that's what I thought leadership was. And that's yeah. what I thought that being successful, you know, that's, that's what being successful was. I can tell people how to feel and they will feel it. And it's fantastic, you know? But changing leadership from a noun to a verb, which was, you know, part of my journey here, was really helpful. And, you know, with, with it being like, I'm in leadership, that's, that's something that um, was, was something that I really wanted. But now not so much. What I want is to be, to be a leader where I am fit to lead. I am not fit to lead marshalling people. I'm like, okay, we're going to do this. You don't need to know why. Let's just do it. Not the best. I don't want to lead with ideas. Um, I, it, it would, it's not only not good for me, but it's not good for the aim. And yeah. so when you have that aim, what am I best suited to do to get there? And that's lead down here, right? Like if we need to get some stuff done, come yeah. to me. I'm your girl. That's go good. Now, <clears throat> during the fundamentals, I'm I'm imagining people listening, right? And some people mm -hmm. are probably identifying with you. They're thinking, I can hear myself in some of the ways that Dallas 
related to herself, related to herself as a doer, as a producer personality. I can see myself on the way that she may have shown up in certain environments and, mm -hmm. and so forth. When you were in our programs, what did you confront about your own naivete? What did you confront about where you were just wrong about this or that? Or what did you practice or begin to put into play that changed the game for you? That, those are a lot of questions that I haven't answered to everyone. So, so funny um, when I ask, by the way, when I ask a producer, it's so funny because it, if I was to ask your husband, Matthew, those questions, it would be, it would create a context in a world, but I love, and this is special for a producer personality, you would hear all of those questions as very specific questions. Oh, yeah. I'm, just, I'm just trying to point you in a direction, but in any case, answer them all if you want. It's great. Um, you're welcome for um, personifying <laughs> a producer. And it's, it's funny. Um, you mentioned Matthew, like Matthew will ask me a question. He's like, Oh, did you like, X and I'll say yes. And he's like, and he was like, I liked it. <laughs> so it's just this like um, completely agree. And I'll ask him a yes or no question, and I will get the history of something and a future somewhere else. And then I'm just like, I just want to know if you want hamburgers for dinner, Matthew. So completely agree. By the way, and Matthew is who? Um, my husband, Matthew Jackson, a very, very super inventor. Great. And where'd you meet? <laughs> well, I have told you that if this whole thing doesn't work out, you should totally open a dating website. Uh, um, yeah. Anyway, I, go I, ahead. I, answer the questions if you still remember what they were. <laughs> Breakdowns um, you confronted. <laughs> thank you. Um, the biggest one that I still, I have, I have a sticky down here. I don't want to take it off, but you are not as smart as you think you are. Mm. Um, and that's just because I'm, I pride myself on learning. I pride myself on gathering, like I collect frameworks, like I collect shoes, like I love them. Yes. And I always, I was always like, yeah, like I'm, I'm pretty smart, right? Which I am in certain places. And I think that in certain places is what I realized is that sometimes I am just not going to be the smartest person in the room. And that's okay because facts and judgment are not my jam. And if I'm the smartest person in the room, when we're talking about facts and judgment, we are in the wrong room. Right. And how do I, how do I own like who I am? Like down here at, you know, when we talk about the transaction cycle, like my jam is at six o'clock. Like that's, that's my happy place. That's labor work and action. Like, you just, I have things to do and I'm going to do them and they're going to be glorious. And everyone's going to be really happy about it, including me. That is so good. It's really good. And by the way, I want to do this one thing. Do it, do it. Because <laughs> Dallas, you just said at six o'clock. So for those of you that don't know, there's a transaction <laughs> cycle that we teach and that's the framework for all that we teach. And on this cycle, imagine it like the face of a clock. At six o'clock is the area of the transaction that we call fulfillment or labor work in action. And it's where the producer personality resides. By the way, at noon on the transaction cycle is where the inventor personality uh, lives. That's the place where it's all possibilities, 
uh, its invention, and also where Matthew Jackson, your <laughs> husband, resides. And I only bring it up because, um, A, for people that want to know what you're referring to, but also there are many people in our programs who end up being in relationships with people across the access. We find that to be a common thing. Not always, but it seems to be a great, really great yin and yang or balance mm -hmm. and fit and all of that. So any comment on that, by the way? It's, it is the most grounding experience to be with someone who is subjective, who to be with someone that the world is their oyster, to be with someone that if I'm in breakdown, like I can go to Matthew and say, I'm in breakdown. He knows what to do. He's going to invent something for me to do that'll get me back. Mm -hmm. And so my, my advice, solicited as it is, if you're in some sort of influential you um, program, invite your significant others, invite your family to it. Mm -hmm. It is, it is the, the best way to just cut down on some churn. Like it's absolutely valuable in business and nonprofits. Like, like there is so much benefit there as well as in your personal, like there's, there's, we have transaction cycles kind of drawn all over the house. Um, <laughs> slightly <laughs> embarrassing. <laughs> um, but it's just like, okay, where are we and who's leading? It's kind of the mm, question. Yeah. yeah. Mm. So good. Yeah. yeah. Great minds think alike, because if you are listening to this on a podcast, when it's not live, you'll also have a link to download the transaction cycle yourself. And if you're just joining us, this is Dallas Jackson. We are so excited to have her on. You're going to love the rest of our answers. It's going to be so good. Dallas, the next question that I had for you is something you just said, moving leadership from a noun into a verb. Mm -hmm. It, it kind of coincides perfectly with what you were talking about, about leadership being a team sport and how that was something that you learned in the fundamentals of transaction that you took away. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Because I think that's a, a fascinating uh, thing that a lot of people don't realize is it's not just authority and being in charge. It's the leading or the leaderness, as Kirkland says. How would mm -hmm. you talk about that? I, I think it is a team sport and I think it is a full contact team sport, to be quite honest. And it's, it's because it's not pretty, right? Like it's, it, it's not nice. It's not when you're passionate about the aim, right? Because we have to start with the aim of that transaction. We have to all be behind that aim. And if we're passionate enough to be in a transaction about this aim, personalities are going to come in. Opinions are going to come in. Cognitive biases are going to come in. Like we, we all wish that we didn't have biases, we all have biases because we cannot, our brain cannot filter through everything that we see, hear, touch, think about. So it's our brain's way of survival. It creates shortcuts and all of us lean into different ones. And when we have that, that going passion, um, intelligence, um, opinions, biases, it, it's, it's not linear. Right. Like it can go around in circles and figure eights and, you know, trapezoids, whatever shape you want to you want to call it. But we all can resonate back to, OK, you know, um, the book Start With Why really resonates with me. And I reread it after Fundamentals of Transaction because it made so much more sense to me, like having the lens of Fundamentals of Transaction. When I read that, I was like, OK, like start with your aim is yeah. what I read when I, when I talk about it now. Um, because 
in, in a transaction, we have a team, hopefully. Hopefully we have a team because we are better as a team than we are individually. And the thing is, it's going to, it's, I'm, I might feel some, some, you know, FOMO if I'm left out of that, you know, going from possibilities to a possibility and down. However, I've got to get over myself or ask or be, be really transparent of like, Hey, like, I know I'm about as useful as a one-legged man in a butt kicking contest up here, but can I just please, you know, be included, <laughs> right? Like, like it's something that, that I can articulate my needs as yeah. a producer that's really helpful. And I can articulate the fact that it's hard for me to step back, but I know it's best for the aim. Yeah. What that means is somebody else is leading there. And then around contract, they're going to pass me the ball and it's going to be brilliant. It's going to be the best play of all time. And then I will reluctantly, I'm going to be really honest, pass it to my, to my judge friends because that's where I'm really good at, or that's where I'm really good. That's where I can provide the most value and I will support elsewhere, but it's like this ball moving around. Um, my, my son actually um, started playing rugby for the first time this year. Um, he is a North Harbor champion, youth 15, just a little proud moment there. But, but what I learned like watching him is he's in this scrum, right? And they're going against each other. But the thing is, as soon as that happens, it depends on where they are on the field as who becomes the leader, who's yeah. calling out. And yeah. it's the same thing. We have to treat it as leader. A leader is not a person. Leadership is what that person personifies. Right. So, so good. Um, I want to take a moment here and say just a few things. First of all, if you're joining us on LinkedIn or Facebook or YouTube uh, and you have a question for Dallas, then you're welcome to type in any questions or comments about um, uh, about her, some of the things that she said. But Dallas, you've been involved in some rather large organizations with some pretty <laughs> complex team initiatives. And if anybody knows what it's like to attempt to coordinate a whole bunch of people to attempt to get them more agile or mm -hmm. to attempt to move things faster. What advice do you have for those people in organizations or in a small company about organizing their teams? That is such a good question. And I wish we had like four hours. So um, I'm going to pontificate. So y'all just throw an Elmo at me whenever, whenever well, that happens. Well, um, see if you can, I know you want to pontificate, uh, um, but I want to make sure that we make it as valuable as possible. Thank what you. would you say is like the biggest, rather than say what to do, what would you say is the biggest error that people make about it? That they use a very finite number of brains in an organization for strategy. They use a very finite amount of the brains that they have available to talk about possibilities. They have a, they use a very finite amount of their collective brain, which kind of, you know, cuts, cuts them off at the knees a bit. You know, the people doing the work, 
as a, you know, I'm a, I, I call myself a recovering developer. Um, as if, if I'm working on something, I have stake in it. I want it to be successful. And I yeah. probably know a little more about it than the senior vice president of finance, whatever. And so instead of, instead of understanding who's the most, you know, um, who's the highest appointed person in the room, who knows the most about what we're talking about and start with that question. So yeah. if we were able to treat people who knew the most about the problem, the same way we treat those hippos in the room, it would completely change the conversation. Mm. That's fantastic. I, I really like that. I was on a call right before this. We'll talk about afterwards. That would have been very <laughs> valuable for Dallas. Thank you very much for um, reifying what I was thinking was going on. That's so good. Now you're, now we're currently in the fundamentals of transaction. You're, you're learning things, you're moving around. And then what was kind of your big takeaway? I mean, if you had another one that was a really big takeaway and then move us into what life looks like now. What is life like now after kind of learning all this stuff and all the study that you've done? What did I learn? Um, I learned who Dallas could be. And when I, when, when I say that is um, I, I was trying to emulate people um, you know, when I came to influence, you know, influential you, I, I was well known. Um, I was pretty successful, but I was successful in trying to emulate others. I was successful. Oh, this has worked. You know, like that repetition. There you go. Um, making making others people's things my thing, and like, oh well, you know, all of these people are doing it this way. This is how I I have to do it. However, a producer. What I learned is a producer cannot do the same thing that an inventor does or a judge does because it's not going to work. We can have the same aim, but I needed to really dig into who I was, where I sat, and understand that that's valuable. And it's not going to look like anyone else. It's not going to look like a way an inventor does it, right? Like. <laughs> a silly example, but Matthew and I do do dishes very differently. It does not look the same. It's the same outcome, but it doesn't look the same. And so how influential you gave me, gave me some language to actually articulate why I was like the square peg kind of going into the round hole because yeah. I was trying to emulate inventors. I was trying to emulate performers and that's not who I am. Yeah. That's so good. It's so good because um, we say that here at Influential You, we help you be more influential, more rewarded, and more you. And what you're saying is something that's a bit surprising, I think, for many people. Because in attempting to emulate other people, you try to act like this person. You try to provide the value that person provides. You try to do something in the way that this other person provides. And so it's really extraordinary that you're able to be more yourself and to be uh, more regarded for you. What's that like for you? Uncomfortable to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> because? It, um, because I really, I really feel I am who I am because of the ecology I keep. Um, influential you, um, 
you know, the, the, the people that I get to work with, um, who kind of taught me what I knew about agility. Um, it, I am as good as the environment and the ecology that I keep. And I think that may be another one of those things, those people or things that kind of suck energy out of you, you've got to let them go. And there was so much of, there was so much of, well, I've been doing this, I should do it kind of thing. And then it goes back to those aims. Um, it's not serving my aims and I'm not serving yours. Mm. So, yeah. And it's, I, I feel as though I'm not like doing talks and, um, you know, talking at conferences and things kind of before influential you, I felt like I was playing a part. Um, whereas now I'm just being really authentically me and, you can like it. You can not like it. You probably will because I'm awesome. But <laughs> I know that it's 100% me. And, yep. and there's power in that. There's power in not having to waste energy into trying to be something you're not. There's yeah. power in being able to cut the bullshit out. Say, yeah. no, like, this isn't, this isn't what I want. This is not for my aim. I love you. I care about you. But no. Mm. Yeah. Uh, there's... I think we need to have like a, a an ah counter in this thing where every time John or I go ah, like there's a little point at the bottom because I am writing down so much that you're saying, Dallas. Game. It's so good. Yeah, at home, if you want to do a drinking game, mom, go I ahead. I second drinking game. That's okay. <laughs> now so, that I have a goal. <laughs> Dallas, in that, in that same vein, life doesn't look the same way that it looked like when you started participating. The name of Dallas Jackson with these cowboy phrases like one-legged man in a butt-kicking competition, but you're not calling us from Dallas. Uh, you're calling us from the other side of the world, which we didn't even mention. Some people may see there's a little delay. Tell us a little bit about what does life look like now? What is the life that you've constructed after all of the work that you've done in our programs? Well, it you know we mentioned earlier that I I met my my husband at a at a conference for influential you and. When I, so previously, I lived in Austin, Texas, um, worked in the U.S., was um, was a mom, all of that. I was pretty happy with it. I was just like, yes, let's repeat the same thing day after day. It's making me very comfortable. Um, however, when I was able to lean into myself, you know, I'm, I'm, I met Matthew. But the interesting, the reason I'm talking about that is, like, if, He's going, nah, he won't kill me. Um, a, for, a few of our first dates were aligning aims on conditions of life. Wow. Like, <laughs> I feel like such a nerd saying that, but it's true. <laughs> um, but it was, we went down the list of each condition because it was like, he lived in New Zealand. I lived in Texas. I was like, well, that's not going to work. <laughs> but but giving, given the language that we had both learned, given the ideas that we had both learned, we were able to really talk about aims and have a have a really powerful conversation about do they align? And that was incredibly valuable. You know, whether it's your team, whether you're chartering a team, talk about your aims. Make sure you talk about the conditions of life when you're chartering teams. 
an organization, if you're founding a startup, what are they, what are the conditions of life that you want your employees to have? Yeah. And do they align with theirs? And so, you know, it's the same thing for, for Matthew and I, I mean, I never imagined, you know, two and a half years later being in Auckland, um, having a company in, you know, a multinational company now, um, having, you know, my son thrive, having, um, our daughter thrive, having all of these things. And the real basis, whenever we get into kind of like, okay, we're going around in circles, we automatically bring it up. Okay, where are we in the transaction? Who's leading? Like, yeah. it's kind of our stopgap. It's like, okay, right. like we need to ground ourselves again. Um, in that, like, even so that our children, like, are using the languages yet as well, which is um, both lovely. And then they throw it in your face. And it's like, oh, yeah. Of course they do. <laughs> it's so good. Well, listen, I'm I'm uh, uh, I'm so delighted for you and for Matthew and what you both have accomplished. And um, I love the, you know, where are we in the transaction and who's leading uh, thing? Because I know that's a line from the corporate program that we offer when we work yeah. with teams. And it's often a way to, in some ways, say who's got the ball and therefore where are we in the transaction or where are we on the field, as you said. Mm -hmm. And so it's, it's just brilliant. I'm so glad that you've had the opportunity to, to shape your life with it. I'd like for you to uh, take us to human earring. And this is a little soapbox moment. So is there anything you'd like to say about human earring and what is that and what should we know about it? Human earring is, we, we talk so much about the things that we do. We talk so much about how do we code? How do we build a financial process? How do we financially model? How do we build this thing, you know, this chair? But do we don't spend enough time talking about how we work together to get there. Um, you know, we were talking talking before this and, you know, in kindergarten, we were taught how to people. You share things, you don't call names, you know, you sit down when, you know, the authority tells you to, et cetera. And yet that's really the last time there's emphasis on it. However, with math, every year you have math as a subject. You learn new things, you learn these but the, the core of our person, that we're humans. We are humans first and foremost. We can't escape it. If you try, it'll just be a bad day for you. And how do we honor humans? How do we people? How do we yeah. people throughout our life? And when we learn how to people, there's a second step. How do we people together? And we don't focus on those things. What we focus on are the the practices the process okay what are we building however if we focus on humans right we're humans first if we focus on that what are the things that humans bring to a process and different humans right the three of us are having a conversation that if we you know if we put matthew in here and took me out it would be very different because we're all unique we all have our our biology our background um and our biography and so how do we honor those differences and move together as a group? So how do we people, how can I respect y'all as people? How can I get you guys to respect me as a person? And how do we people together? How do we move as one towards the same aim? And I think that 
we have long tried to fit people into ways of working, into ways of working on, um, you know, building a chair or building code. And what we need to do is we need to flip that on its on its head, really. And how do we make that work fit the people that are working on it? Because hmm. again, we're not going to get rid of that twenty thousand years of evolution. We're not going to get rid of my biases. We're not going to get rid of y'all's history. And we shouldn't. What we should do is use them as boons. Use them as those superpowers. Because, man, if we were able to just say, hey, this is really what we're good at. And we need to have the same. How can we take what we're really good at and get there? Versus trying to pretend to be someone else. Outstanding. I'm blown away as good as advertised for me. I mean, I Dallas, I haven't been able to get to know you as much, but all the people I study with do. And that was incredible. I really appreciate that. Um, John and I are, are going to jump in and, and talk about what we learn now from you. And hopefully we'll get four hours and you can just sit there and wait for us uh, to come talk to you after we're done. Just <laughs> good. Dallas, it's so great to have you with us. And uh, we're going to put your website, website back up for just a moment. Yeah humaneering.com. There it is. And you can go find out more about Dallas. It'll also be in the show notes for this podcast as well. And Josh will go over that in just a minute. But Dallas, stick around uh, as we said before, but we're going to take a moment and uh, start to wrap things up. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thanks for being on the podcast today. Uh, so John, what did you hear? What did oh, you learn? <laughs> I mean, I've got notes and notes. I know, and notes. <laughs> I know, I know. Well, you know, first of all, I love that she started out with some of the experiences that she had with, uh, I think it was Amazon and, mm -hmm. you know, some of the, the big companies and working with teams and all that. But there was this one moment where I, I don't remember the exact words, but she talked about using the brains of all the people in the room. Right. And so in some of our programs and in our conferences, if you attend one of our conferences, one of the things that we'll often say is welcome to your brain welcome to your brain and and our intent is to say look there's so many minds in this room you don't have to think alone you can use the resource that's here in this room and for individuals who try to do things alone i promise you i don't know how else to say this i don't know how to emphasize this anymore but i don't think that people use the resource of all the minds that they have available uh, because there are so, so many. How about you? That, that was part of it. The other one was the idea that an inventor does dishes differently than a producer. What was great about that, Dallas, and I know you can hear me, I'm a performer. I don't do dishes. You're welcome. It's not very fun. But what I really liked is this. You're not as smart as you think you are. I constantly, it doesn't matter if I'm an inventor, producer, performer, judge, just as a human, I go into transactions and I just kind of will what I want on those and then put a stamp on it and call it leadership. Mm. When really it's more like a leaderness, as Kirkland talks about it, the quality of leading and the way that um, Dallas really just kind of weave that throughout the entire thing, you can tell it's something that she embodies. It's the idea of, hey, let's include all of the minds, but when it push comes to shove and it's my turn, here's how we're going to move. And I think that's so valuable as a group dynamic or in, in teamwork and leadership when you're able to stop and say, wait a minute, I may not know this as well as this person. Let's give them the floor. 
it really takes away that um, stereotypical leadership model that so many people think of when I believe that what they're really thinking of is just authority and really what they're looking for is leadership and they're not doing much of one or the other sometimes. That's so true. And as we study it, and, and I know you know this, but you know, for our audience, when we talk about leadership here, you know, most people talk about leadership from traits, characteristics. And so a lot of the leadership training that's in the world will help develop people on characteristics of leadership or behaviors of leadership, as opposed to there is no leader without group. There is no leader without follower. There is no leadership arises. It arises. And I love that Dallas lives in New Zealand now, home of the one of the most famous rugby teams on the planet, the All Blacks. Mm -hmm. And the All Blacks are kind of famous. In fact, we talk a little bit about the, you know, the All Blacks past leadership. Whoever's got the ball is leading. And she referenced that in so many ways. And so it's a great way to sort of tile this up and say, look, where are we in the transaction and who's leading? Who ought to be leading? Who would be best leading at this point in the transaction? And that is such a different model than most of the things we've raised and you know been brought up with. Oh, it's so good. And I'm now going to take you out because you have to get ready for the e-coaching. If do. you're not a part of our Thrive program, boy, you're missing out today. But I hope you guys will stick around for us, for those of you that are in the Thrive program. And for everybody else, we bid you adieu. We're going to go back to our screen and complete with this. If you'd like to know more about us, please go to influentialu.global and explore our courses, consulting, con consulting, and conferences. We offer a four-year curriculum for those seeking an advanced experience. However, if you're new to Influential U, we recommend that you start with Thrive, our self-guided training. Thrive is a self-guided program that lets you learn at your own pace. Thrive members enjoy weekly live e-coaching sessions and an ever-expanding library of exclusive video lessons with our faculty, thought leaders, and industry experts. You'll get proven proprietary tools to accurately assess your career and develop a realistic strategy to achieve your aims faster. Your membership also includes chat access to faculty plus discounts to our transformative conferences. You can sign up today and use the promo code 20 off, that's 20OFF, for a 20% discount on the monthly description. That coupon code, once again, 20 off, 20OFF. Next week, we interview Jeff Cady, and you will want to hear his story. We invite you to join us at the same time, same place. Thank you so much for joining today. Each week, we stream live at 2 p.m. Pacific on our website, Facebook, LinkedIn, and YouTube so you can easily share this podcast with others. You can also subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or any other place that you get quality podcasts. Check out our show notes for links to connect with our guest Dallas, plus links to websites, books, or special downloads we talked about in today's episode. This podcast is made possible by the Influential You staff, faculty, and members all around the world. With a special thanks to our executive producer, Tyson Crandall, and contributions from Michael Teehee, Joey Anderley, Daryl Anderley, Paul West, Liz Smiley, and a special thanks to our guest, Dallas Hensley. Oh, Dallas Jackson, how dare I do that? The Influential You podcast is produced by Influence Ecology, LLC in Ventura, California, and this episode was recorded on October 12th, 2022. The podcast theme is by Chris Standring, titled Fast Trained Everywhere, and if you haven't yet offered a rating or review, I ask that you take a moment, go to iTunes or your podcast app, 
and let us know what you think. This helps us more than you know. And we'll see you next week on the Influential You podcast. Thank you.